to go with the alternate jersey, they came up with an alternate mascot. Are you guys familiar with Boomer? No, but I'm look, look. Google. It, picture the most phallic mascot you can think of. Oh, is it? And, I, 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 I want to get, get the right to Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> this it's is still, one of the best kept show, secrets. Though. That the Blue Jackets yeah, had a dick yeah. for a mascot. I don't, I don't like know how this they is uh, yeah. deleted that from from existence, but that's well done by whoever whoever did that. <laughs> Love your Coors Light beers. You talk about a big giant dick on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> These are the tales of hockey past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off ice moments, memories of personal fandom catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the Puck Stories. I'm PD. I'm Eric. And we're going to tell you the story of the 2016-17 Columbus Blue Jackets. Woo! So for the, those first, you... the first successful season in franchise history. Yeah. So for those of you not familiar, the Columbus Blue Jackets are a professional hockey franchise that plays in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and they've been around for quite some time, since the, yeah. turn, since the turn of the millennium. Many of you yeah. might what? not be aware of that. Yeah, the start of the Will Ennium, for those of you who remember Will Smith's rapping career. Anyway, <laughs> Columbus uh, was... Parents just don't understand. <laughs> so, yeah, Columbus was a, uh, a city very much in, you know, Cleveland and Cincinnati's shadow, and it was basically just a college football team. You know, Ohio State dominated the sports scene here, um, but by the, you know, mid to late 90s, the city had grown so much that, you know, the... Professional leagues couldn't deny the the opportunities here, um, and so Columbus got an NHL franchise. Um, now the league announced it as they were doing a big expansion, four teams over three years, uh, which of course starts a pattern of Columbus always getting the worst <laughs> possible opportunities from the league. Uh, so Nashville came in, Atlanta came in, and then Columbus and Minnesota came in at the same time. Uh, so the league had been picked over as far as expansion drafts go. And in 2000, the expansion draft was much less generous than it was for Vegas or Seattle recently. So you had only 26 teams that you could pick from. The teams could protect more players. And the pool of available players had to be split between Columbus and Minnesota. So the early Columbus Blue Jackets roster was... Uh, how would you describe that, Eric? I would describe it as a line of your favorite third and fourth, or it was a roster of your third and favorite, or your favorite third and fourth line tweeners. Yeah. And um, a lovely goaltender named Ron Tugnut. Ron Tugnut. That is uh, how I would describe that inaugural Blue Jackets season. Go ahead. Who's some of your favorite players? You had uh, John Luke Grandpierre. Um, uh, John Luc Grandpierre, who we've interviewed on the uh, Canon, okay. he's a he's a good time on the Canon cast. Uh, who else Lyle was Oudeline, on that? Right, Lyle Oudeline, uh David Viborny, uh, David Viborny. Uh, yeah. I'll never. Who else was on that opening roster? Was Espen Knutson there opening Espen year? Espen Knutson, es- yeah. Rob Cron. Oh my god! Uh, but Ron Tugnut, Ron Tugnut was my early favorite. Uh, yeah. 
So in Columbus here, they because it was the fall of 2000, they ran a Ron Tugnut for President campaign. They had like T-shirts and ads and things like that. Excuse um, me, I'm for, I'm forgetting my favorite uh, Columbus Blue Jacket, longtime whipping boy in our household, Mark Denis. Oh yeah, yeah. Goaltender Mark Denis, who played about a thousand games for the Blue Jackets, probably 990 too many. There was there was one season there was one season there in the early years where he started like over seventy games in a season, like absolute. I think which I think set some record. Absolutely insane for a goalie to start that many games, but like yeah, the, the that's 2002 2003 Columbus Blue Jackets. To yeah, to to Pale Dragons point the the highlight of that year was Mark Denise started seventy seven of eighty two games. <laughs> Hey, hey Mike, Mike, be honest. How many of these players do you know? And is the number over half? I would take the under. Yep, yep, thought so. Okay, <laughs> same here. Yep. <laughs> very, very, like, yeah, a lot of very free. Like, guys. like yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be kind of morbid here for a second, but like, the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise was terrible the first couple years, and initially were known as the team that like. Do you guys know the reason there's netting behind the nets? in the uh, NHL. Yeah. It's because yeah. like yeah. Uh, Espen, Espen Knutson had a shot deflected and go into the net and it ended up, it hit a little girl in the head and ended up killing her. Like that, that's for, what the I, blue jackets were known for, for a few I years. I forgot that was Columbus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like that's what the franchise, like that was our big contribution to the NHL for a while is netting. Yeah. That was all like, fan safety. Like it, 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 it goes to show where, where this franchise has been. Like it's, it's historically not been much. Yeah, and you know our uh, our early drafts had the likes of uh, you know Pascal Leclerc and uh, Rusty Klesla, Nikolai Zhirinov, Alexander Picard, Gilbert yeah. Brule. Yeah, Gilbert Brule, five spots ahead of uh, Andre Kopitar. Yeah, Nikita <laughs> Filatov. Um, so, which goes to show you why it was not until 2009 that the Blue Jackets finally made the playoffs. It took them until their eighth season, and then they got swept by the Detroit Red Wings. So that was that was their playoff history uh, until 2014. So again, it was like until 2014, absolutely no playoff success whatsoever. And even then, and and and, it, and it's two like games. two two wins yeah. in 2014, and that was somehow a uh, a, a Stanley Cup victory in itself. And and to yeah and right like two Columbus Blue Jackets fans they might as well have won the Stanley Cup that year like they like the Blue Jackets got swept by Detroit in 0809 they struggled through the next few years they ended um they ended up bringing in Jeff Carter in an ill-fated trade that uh that cost them Jake Voracek and the pick that became Sean Couturier to try and bolster Rick Nash and give him an actual center for the first time in his career. And it was so bad that Carter was traded at the trade deadline and Rick Nash, the captain, asked out. It said, I, I can't be here anymore. I, I, for the good of this franchise and for the good of my career, this has to end. Yeah. He was traded that summer on, I believe, on the 4th of July, or at least that weekend, to the New York Rangers for Artem Anisimov, Brandon Dubinsky, and... Tim Erickson uh, in a first-round pick, which we ended up using on Kirby Reichel. Yeah, if you guys don't know that name, that's fine. You're you're not missing much. Um, let's see. So like, like when this team ended up 
you know, rallying behind, you know, Dubinsky and Anisimov and not Nick, much else and making the playoffs in tw- yeah, Nick Felino had just come over and they made the playoffs in 2014 and then won a game. It was like this team won the won the damn Super Bowl. Like we we had never seen any success like this. Like y- yeah. you can actually win postseason games. We we were, I believe, like we were the last franchise at that time to win a postseason game. Um, we were definitely the last franchise to win a postseason series. Yeah. Um, it, it it's just it's been a comedy of errors from you know from day one with this team. It's like. Decisions have been made incorrectly one after the other, and not only that, but like players have come here underperformed. Like there, there was a time and a place in the early two thousands where this franchise trotted out twenty year veteran uh, Sergey Fedorov. Yep, yep. Ser- Sergey Fedorov played for the Columbus Blue Jackets for like a not insignificant amount of time. Like two and a half years. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 I totally forgot about that. Blue Jackets legend, Sergei Fedorov. <laughs> no, so, so, so yeah, uh, a little behind the curtain of running the cannon. When the NHL came out with their, you know, uh, top 100 players of all time for the 100th anniversary, like, I absolutely put a post up. Like, former Blue Jackets, Sergei Fedorov, named to the NHL top 100. <laughs> Because, because like to, to troll Detroit fans for no other reasons. What team did he go into the Hall of Fame under? Do you, do you guys Detroit, know? Detroit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 or maybe uh, it's time in Anaheim, maybe that. I was going to say USS. I was going to say just the USS. But, like, this is – but, like, when we talk about, like – so when we get into why this Columbus Blue Jackets season meant so much to us as fans, as – people who really deeply care about this team who have you know, I, like I personally have this team inked on my body because I am nothing if not nothing if not a self-hating masochist like <laughs> this this one season crystallized and meant so much to fans because we had never seen anything like what we were about to see like mm-hmm. we had we had seen two playoff wins squeaking in as a wild card a couple times getting bombed out by Detroit you know, losing to the Penguins, who would go on to win multiple cups. Uh, like the year, like so after the 2014 or after to the 2014 season when we lost to the Penguins, we ended up uh, going into the next year with like hope. How dare we? Because we ended up ha- losing f- like 500 man games to injury. Like and everyone got hurt. Everyone of consequence got hurt. Like, like, like go. Like, if imagine if like. We we looked at the St. Louis Blues roster on opening night of this year, and just went through and we're like, Bennington's gonna miss fifty games. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's gonna miss seventy five. Uh, Colton Pareko's gonna miss sixty, and just kept going on and on and on like that, and just picked off every player of consequence off the roster. That's Our what message, that Blue Jackets. That's what that Blue Jackets season was. Think about your AHL affiliate. And think about how well they would do on the NHL schedule if they had to play it for 50 games. Like, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, it, it actually, to to start the story of the 2016 se- season, um, this, that summer, again, felt like repeating the narrative. Because I can remember vividly the draft that year. Because, again, the Jackets had been... Had, went into 15-16 with great expectations, lost their first eight games, 
fired their coach, hired John Tortorella, traded their franchise center and Ryan Johansson, finished poorly, did actually win the lottery to move up from fourth to third. And remember, 2016, it said, this is the big three this year. Three great prospects. We've got Austin Matthews. We've got Patrick Line. We've got Jesse Pugliarvi. These three guys can't miss prospects. And so we thought, all right, we're going to get one of these guys. And as it came up to the draft, we figured, okay, Austin Matthews, he's definitely going to be number one. Then, okay, Patrick Line is probably going to be number two. So, like, all right, we're going to get Jesse Pugliarvi. We're trying to you know, practice how to pronounce Pugliarvi, how to spell Pugliarvi. <laughs> you know, the little finish umlaut thing in his name how to type that you know and then you know comes to the day of the draft the finnish general manager yarmulkeke line and steps up and he hands it off to the finnish director of scouting vile siren oh he's gonna he's gonna announce the finnish guy right pierre-luc dubois is the pick and clubs fans are like who the hell is pierre-luc dubois so the comments were freaking livid I, I wrote doing? I You're wrote the canon the draft again. What is happening I wrote, here? I wrote the post at jacketscanon.com that night when <laughs> when Pierre Luc Dubois got drafted over Jesse Pugliarvi because like I've been watching Pugliarvi highlights like oh, yeah. this guy's gonna be this guy's gonna be like the next this guy's gonna be the like this guy's gonna be awesome he's gonna be a great goal scorer for this team and then they they picked Dubois and I freaking killed this pick I was like this like they should fire Yarmo. Like he shouldn't even get to go home in. He shouldn't even get to go home in his car. Like they should slash his tires and send him home on the bus. I was, I killed this pick. I was, I could not believe that they went so far off the board to pick because I was like, you know, there's a consensus big three. Of course, this stupid team picks one of the not big three. Of course they did because it's just it's just what the Blue Jackets do. They now, if there's if there's a smart decision to be made, they make the yeah. opposite decision. Now, in contrast to that, I think one reason why I got added to the Canon staff later that summer is that I was like one person in the comments saying like, mm. "Well, maybe it's not bad." Like I, I realized like, "Hey, look, all of us that are talking about the draft, like none of us have actually watched these prospects. Like we don't watch junior hockey. Certainly, we don't watch European <laughs> junior hockey. Like, it may work right, out." These Don't guys, know what you are, guys do on a Saturday morning. <laughs> these guys are professional scouts. They, they, they. You know, they watch these players. You know, maybe. It's, and Dubois was the top-rated North American skater that year. It's just the other three had played in Europe. So, like, all right, he's maybe not. It's not a reach or whatever. You know, fine. You know, but again, they just. It felt like we'd been burned so many times that this, like, this just is going to be what it is. You know. So we go into this the preseason, and. You know, John Farrella had not been able to turn the season around the year before, which I think even just eight games in, it was like, this is a runaway train. It's out of control. There's just no turning this thing around. Um, but John Farrell, he's a he's an interesting dude, very old school. Uh, some habit he has is that every offseason, he writes a letter to every player. Again, I'm not saying like an email, like physically like writes a letter puts it in the mail <laughs> to every player just talking about his, it still his expectations. the mail and yeah the, apparently 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 it's a thing i, I don't more know th more oh. things come in the mail than bills yeah um, and one of or one shitty of or shitty <laughs> yeah. mail yeah, or bill, bills, that yeah. you, 
bills they get every month. You're like, ah, oh, shit, I should sign up for uh, for email. Ah, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, shit, I meant to do that last month. I'll do it this time for sure. <laughs> so uh, one thing Torch said that actually is is not crazy or outdated is uh, training camp is not your chance to get in shape. You need to show up to training camp in shape. Like, be be ready for the season when training camp starts. Uh, the start of training camp under John Torella did not even start on the ice. It was all the players in t-shirts and shorts bust over to a local high school to run on the track for a two-mile run. Uh, see, do you remember what was was it? Ten minutes, it two, twelve minutes. It was two. It was two miles and twelve minutes was the was the minimum standard they had to each. Yeah. Meet. In order in order to even like get started in camp, you had to run two miles in under twelve minutes. And then the next day was the first day they hit the ice, and, and they bag skated. Yeah, I don't think there's any pucks involved. Even it was just <laughs> skate until you puke. Yeah, it was. It was. It was strictly bag skating the next yeah. day. And, and you know, the, the previous preseason, I said, they came in with a bunch of expectations. They had, you know, like Brandon Slaw, Ryan Johansson, Nick Foligno as the first line. They're scoring a bunch of goals. Like, this line is going to, like, lead the league up because it was preseason, you know. And in 2016, the preseason, they were not good. And they just looked gassed because, again, they had been worked so freaking hard in those early days of camp. Torch had just run them ragged. But... He kind of knew what he was doing because he knew that midseason, when every other team is getting tired when they hit the wall, these guys are going to be prepared for it. Um, and right, his 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 plan that we didn't see at the time because you know we're watching these preseason games and seeing these results and like, oh my god, this team is going to be god awful this year is because yeah. like, like. Like it, it was, it was kind of like that mad genius. Like, oh my, like this is just so crazy. It just might work. Is he was like, Torts at the time was like, we're we're going to be the best conditioned team in the league. Like, no one is going to skate harder than us. Like, you guys, you guys see, like, with Torts, like, no, like, no one is going to outwork us. Right. We're we're going to we're going to forecheck hard in the third period. We're going to do that uh, Herb Brooks and Miracle. We're I'm going to say it's like Herb Brooks, it, it, yeah. right? We're, right. Like we're we're, we're we going to be the best, but we're going to be we're going to be the right. best conditioned or whatever the line was. Right. We're like no one no one's going to outwork us, but we're going to you, you know we're not going to be talented, but we're going to work our asses off on every shift, and that that was kind of the philosophy he was trying to build. And for a team that had long struggled with like a country club mentality, where minimum like the minimal success was something to be celebrated and like you could skate by on that in this town that was like it, it was something a lot of players on the roster were kind of uncomfortable with it was something that a lot of fans hadn't like didn't even recognize so it was it was really something a lot it was a lot of it was a lot of differences compared to what we had seen out of a head coach and a front office going into a season before yeah and now, you know, the start of the season, we were very nervous because the previous season, I said, had started with an eight-game losing streak. So we're wondering, how is this season going to start? Now, again, we kind of went into it with no – like, all right, this team was bad last year. Like, we've got to retool things. This is probably not going to be a playoff team again, you know. Uh, and they lost 3-6 to Boston in the opener. Again, the team looked gassed, didn't have it. Next game, a 2-3 loss to San Jose. So, like, all right, closer a little bit, but, you know, still, but we're only, like – Oh and two, yay! Is, is this gonna be? Is this gonna be another streak? Finally, we've seen this story before. Yeah, 
Now there was a big gap. There was a six game, a six day break between the second and third game, which the Jacks um, basically turned. That into makes sense. Se- Good job, Batman. Yeah, NHL scheduling yeah. never makes any sense. But it became shout, like a, shout out Batman. But yeah, they, but yeah, but so, <laughs> it, was, it, was second, so, it was a second yeah, training camp. Said no one ever, sense. by the way. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, the, yeah, the Jackets has basically used this like six day break as a second training camp. Like we're just gonna drill down into our systems. Hmm. We're gonna drill down into what we want to be as an as a team and as an organization this year. And we're just going to, you know, spend this time practicing. We're going to work on our systems and we're going to come back. And this is, this is who we're going to be as a team after this week. Yeah. And then, so they came out. Actually, of that. I, I, feel, I feel like a lot of yeah. teams use that use when they have those breaks, like mm-hmm. that, they use that as like their early season bonding trip, but yeah, not, yeah, so, not torts. <laughs> well, you know, but well, <laughs> It's interesting, yeah. So, but it's case where you know, in in camp, you've got like a big roster, and you got a lot of guys trying to like jockey for position, like who's going to make the cut and everything. But then, like once you've got the team, that's when you can really like, okay, these are the lines, these are the right. systems that we're going to do. And so they had one more home game. They faced Chicago, and I don't know how you guys against St. Louis. You probably feel the same way. By far, I think, in my opinion, the worst away fans in the league are Blackhawks fans. Absolutely no argument here. Insufferable. Yeah, no argument. Horrible. 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 Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jackets one three two. You know, got the monkey off the back. Like fans could breathe this time. Okay, at least we're not going to start owning it again. At least we got <laughs> eight win. And then you talked about bonding trips. Then they had a four game road trip. They went to Dallas and then out to California. And I agree with you. I think those early season road trips like that can be huge. Just in general, those road trips can be great for bonding the team. There's no distractions. It's just guys together. They're hanging in a hotel, going out to dinner, doing that kind of thing. I think it helps a lot, especially a team that's had some some changes and some new faces and all that kind of thing. And yeah, they won three nothing in Dallas. All of a sudden they're you know they're two and two. Uh then overtime loss, regulation loss win. But then it starts to things start then, to Yeah, build. then then they kind of started then you know kind of started rolling. Like yeah. oh like, like you know, they got you know they they you know they win in Anaheim, come home, win a couple games. They beat Dallas in the comeback game. Yeah, win so, in, win, which win in then overtime. brings us to them. So they're four, three, and one, and then November fourth, twenty sixteen. My si- my sister's birthday. We're out to dinner for my sister's birthday. I remember sitting and, home watching this, just like work, doing some work. Had the game on in the background. The Montreal Canadiens come to town. And Columbus just laid the absolute wood on the Montreal Canadiens. Before I, before I tell you the story, let me just tell you this. At some point in the third period, the fans started chanting, we want 10. We want 10. And they got it. The Blue Jackets won that day 10 to nothing. <laughs> I've never been more jealous of being in the arena than that day. I, my best friend was at that game, and he was like texting me throughout. He's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. Right. <laughs> no, it wasn't Carey Price. It was like Al Montoya or Louis Domingue or some some guy like that. But like, they, it was, yeah, they, it was Al. It was Al Montoya because uh, I forget who Montreal's coach was that year. Um, because they left him in for all ten. Yeah, because <laughs> well, what, well, why pull him at that point? Like, it's not going to do anything good to put your actual goalie in there, right? Like, just like ah. This game's a yeah, loss. Yeah, just, yeah, we're, just, we're we're gonna we're yeah. gonna hang ten on you. RIP RIP your uh, goals against, but yeah, you're, this is not a stat uh, stat season for you. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was 
it was one of those games like the, the Blue Jackets scored three goals in the first period. So like, you know, we're it's like, you know, we're we're in good shape after the third period. Like it it looks real good. They came out and hung five on the Canadians in the second period. So it's eight nothing going into second intermission, and it's like four different guys had two goal games: Cam Atkinson, uh, Nick Foligno, Scott Hartnell, and Josh Anderson all scored two goals in that game. I mean, it was it was absolutely bonkers. I remember I remember watching like. I, and and what's wild is it took it took over eleven minutes for there to even be a goal in the game. Like Blue Jackets didn't score for the first ten minutes of the game. They also didn't score <laughs> in the last ten minutes of the game. Yeah, there, there's there's ten goals in like forty <laughs> minutes of game time. It was it was insane. Al, it, I, to his credit, Al Montoya <laughs> still had thirty saves. Hey, he he was trying. Uh, yeah, he did his was job. Right? Complete domination. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, was, it was it was but it wasn't like you know you still get 30 shots it was it it was one of those games where it just felt like but it, it like even just watching it on TV in some random italian restaurant it felt like everything was just cast every it was like everything cascaded together and it was like like this this team is this like you know they'll never be this good again this season but oh, this is it, the first this is the but this is the first time this year this team might actually be something like you well, know they, they figured something out. Yeah, obviously right, it's they, not going to be ten nothing every time, but like right, we, but we but, they're, but they're but they're putting something together, and this yeah. is very much something they can build on going forward as a group. Like there's 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 clearly something here as an organization that they this that they can build on going forward and use this to springboard to the rest of the season. Yeah, right. and and you know it. it goes to something that I've been preaching about in, you know, this current season, which is like, well, if you're not going to be good, at least be fun. And scoring 10 goals in a game, that is fun. Um, you know, and it also reveals another thing about this team that was starting to develop. Uh, in that game, they scored four power play goals. Um, and they had scored power play goal in seven of their first nine contests that season. Which was which was very much the historic outlier for this organization. This team yeah. has very rarely managed to put it together on the with the man advantage. This this team has consistently relied on one supremely talented player, be it Rick Nash or whoever, to hey, you're talented and we have a man advantage. Do things yeah. with the man advantage. And, and, and this power play really didn't have that kind of generational type player. You had Nick Felino in front of that. You had uh, uh, you had that guy Sam Gagne in the middle. You had third year Alexander Wenberg on the half wall, and then you know Cam Atkinson on the left, and rookie nineteen year old Zach Wierenski running the point on that power play. And it seemed like they were like they were scoring every single game. It felt like any time the Jackets drew a penalty, which again. Wasn't often because they didn't take many penalties. They didn't draw many because NHL refs are, you know, NHL refs. But if they got a power play, you felt pretty good. Like eh, they're probably going to score this. And the second, I don't even remember who all was on the second power play unit that year because because it didn't. They matter. were always on the ice. It, it, was, <laughs> like, it was like it was like it was like Seth Jones, Boone Jenner, and some dudes because it really didn't matter. Like like that first that first unit of Wierenski and Gagne and those guys like. Every time they came, like, 
they every time they came over the boards on the main advantage, it was like, uh, like this, like it's game over. It, it yeah. felt like an actual cheat code because what they, what they were doing that was relatively novel in the NHL at the time is they had a lot of teams were running the two three power play. Um, with the two defense, the two high defensemen and the three forwards, the Blue Jackets were one of the first teams to innovate and run the one-three-one on the power play. So they had uh, Felino in front of the net. They had Sam Gagne on the point or in the in between the dots. Cam Atkinson and Alex Winberg on the half walls, and then you had Wierenski at the top running point. And somehow Sam Gagne became like uh, mid '90s Mar- Mario because he was just dishing assists left and right it, it, it was it was absolutely unheard of to see what this power play was doing i had never yeah. i had never to that point and haven't since seen a blue jackets power play like that sam gunny this year put up 50 points 50 points sam gunny on a one-year deal i think he was making less than a million that year he was making eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. yeah and that, that included eight goals and 10 assists on the power play that season of those 50 points and yeah it was, it was rare that teams were running with just you know one defenseman out there and this was a very offensive defenseman um yeah i have a was, i have a sam gagne story right. for later in this go for it oh, okay. no, for later in oh, this later. episode yeah um, so yeah, so the power play is at least one thing the Jackets were doing well, um, and but then you know they just kept collecting wins more often than not as you got through November. Um, you know, had a, had a four-game win streak in in late November. Yeah, and I think you know they they're uh, I wasn't really into the advanced stats at that point, but I know that their underlying numbers were going well as well. They were winning the possession battle. They were, even though Torts is not a guy that would say that he embraced advanced stats and analytics and that sort of thing, like he did understand the underlying concepts and understood that it, you know, was good to possess the puck and to get more shot attempts than the other team and that sort of thing. And the Jackets are doing that, but just, I don't think anyone really picked up on it at the time that that's what they were doing. Um, but then by the end of November, they started something that, I just no one expected because all of a sudden they just they they, they just could they could not lose they, they could not lose they um, actually didn't lose in December they did not <laughs> lose they went perfect they, for they, the month of December they yeah. did not lose in December 2016 yeah it was they so starting right after Thanksgiving that year the Blue Jackets went on the road to Tampa Bay. They won a. Uh, they had a five or they had a five three win in Tampa. Then they lost the cross state match to Florida. Came back home and in played shootout. the yeah. in in a shootout. They came back home and played the Tampa Bay Lightning on November the 29th. and they did not lose again until January twenty seventeen, because this team just could not lose. They they found ways no matter what happened to get it done. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed as a sports fan, just seeing this team that I care about that has been so bad for, like, imagine, like, like you guys have seen it as St. Louis Blues fans, like, the, the run to the Stanley Cup. This was our run to the Stanley Cup. Like, well, it, and, it, and, it, and it's kind of the thing where, where you see in a cup where, where when you go on a cup run like that, you have to get the breaks, you know, where it feels like everything is breaking your way, um, you know, you, you guys had Bennington. We had Sergei Bobrovsky playing super well. Uh, now, actually, which, oddly enough, in that streak, he didn't have a shutout, which is kind of odd looking back. Like, he 
would have thought that a goalie like that in a season like that would have had a shutout in that streak, but he didn't. You, but course, you guys just scored a shit ton of goals. One goal games, but for the most part, it's like three, four, yeah. five so, goals. Like if you, if, and like if you look at who uh, who scored the uh, game-winning goal in that first Tampa series, or in that first Tampa win to start the streak, uh, was some guy named William Carlson who kind of went on to score a few goals for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. But, but didn't in Columbus, he had like six goals that year or something. Like he was not, he was not a goal scorer in Columbus. He was the checking line center that year. Uh, my favorite game of the streak was on December 22nd against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Jackets won seven to one and Scott Hartnell had a hat trick. Uh, I remember I was, I was at a bar for trivia. Thursday was our usual trivia night, watching that on TV and just losing my mind, loving it because again, we had lost to the Penguins in the 2014 playoffs, and that that sparked a rivalry. You know, people have issues with the current playoff structure, and it's justified. But Batman wanted to stoke new rivalries in the new divisions, and it freaking worked here at Pittsburgh. We fucking hate Pittsburgh. That series in 2014 was intense. The next season, Brandon Dubinsky fought Crosby. I had that as like my Facebook profile picture for like Dubinsky just beating the shit out of Crosby. <laughs> and so just seeing seeing us light up. Like, light up Pittsburgh like that, and a guy like Hartnell, again, who hated Pittsburgh because of his time in Philly, like, putting up a hat trick. Hartnell was on the fourth line. You had a fourth liner scoring a hat trick against Pittsburgh. <laughs> that was an, that was an early Christmas present that year. That was fantastic. Well, and again, you said most of these games were blowouts, but, you know, there were some close calls. There was some shootout wins, some overtime wins. I remember the Vancouver game was an overtime win. And there was a way where, like, this team... They're just finding ways to win. They can win. They can, yeah, they can win and different they can types win in of any ways. Kind of way. Yeah. They, they can. They can beat you pretty. So they can fun. beat you ugly. It was. It was one yeah. of those things. It was just. Yeah. It was. The, it was the type of run every franchise dreams you go on. Like it. Yeah. Uh, so and you know another another favorite win though is uh, when it got to New Year's Eve. Uh, another team that was unexpectedly good that year was the Minnesota Wild. And a lot of, you know, so-called experts were, you know, were poo-pooing these teams. Like, well, these teams aren't actually good. We didn't expect them to be good. So they're not – this is what they're doing is not sustainable. So I remember people were starting to call this the unsustainable. Uh, I remember the same night Ohio State was playing Clemson, got shut out. That game was a fucking disaster. I had that on the TV. I had that muted. I had this game on the computer. I had friends that were – we were focusing on the hockey game on the computer. Like, the Blue Jackets continuing the streak, that was more important. They won 4-2 at Minnesota. Happy New Year. Streak stays alive. Um, I was at the Edmonton game on January 3rd. It was a weeknight game in early January. Normally, you're not expecting a very intense crowd at Nationwide, but we had won 50. That place, that that place was bonkers. It, it was a packed house. We were into it. We knew that we were making history. I think we had tied a, res- a record that Pittsburgh had sent for longest undefeated streak in the league or something we like needed that. To win, we needed to win to tie the record. Yeah. And man, and it was a tight game. It was that one didn't come easy, but man, the place exploded when we won that one. It was so much and, fun. And, like, and, and that was team, and that was McDavid's rookie year, good, man. Oh, it might have been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it was Mc, yeah. Second, it, Mc, it was the second year, second or year. second year. But yeah, yeah. Like the 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 reason this year stands out is because it's the first year the Columbus Blue Jackets like mattered on a national level. Like this team, you know, they'd made the playoffs, gotten swept who gives a shit like you know no no one remembers you know the new york jets going to the playoffs and getting bombed out by tom brady in the divisional round 
or in the wild card round. No one, no one cares. So when the Blue Jackets are like winning games, you know, seven to three beating Pittsburgh or seven to one and beating the Penguins and leading Sports Center, that mattered to this franchise because we'd never, we'd never seen anything like that here before. It was, it was something that like we just like we didn't even know how to can like understand as sports fans which is wild considering this team this town has had Ohio State for a hundred years and the unparalleled success that that team has known and had forever but this this was just something so different because we've been beaten down for 15 years that like even any modicum of success was something to celebrate so when we when this team starts winning games and in late November and early December, and they start building this streak of five, six, seven wins. Suddenly, you're like, "This team actually matters." And then, and then, and then you know, you see, you see them climbing up the standings, and it's like, "Oh, it's like, it's like that." I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. You know, Talladega Nights video. It's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> know what to do with. My- <laughs> yeah, let, let's check right here. After being Edmonton, so here we are, already into the new year, 2017. The Blue Jackets, Jackets were number 20, one in the NHL standings on New Year's Day. 20, I was going to ask if you guys knew where they were. I remember putting yeah. it on my Facebook at the time that they were number one in the NHL standings on New Year's Day. Like, I, I remember losing my damned mind. Because, you know, the Jackets had been to the playoffs before, but it was kind of a thing where, like, they got in as a wild card. You know, they were battling to the end, but it's like, this is a team that is banking wins, man. They're like, this is like, we are in President's Trophy contention at this point um but of course but like you know, all, but, all good things must come to an end and, well, and it's like they, and yeah. it's well and it's like i don't even want to stop talking about the streak yet because it's like it's one of those things that it's all we have to build on as blue jackets fans like i I'm, like i told you guys i wanted to talk about a sam gagne story yeah, during yeah. that se- during that streak we ended up uh like i had been a I had been a season ticket holder since the day, since I graduated college. Like I went to UD, I went to the university of Dayton, graduated go Flyers. in my, and, yeah, yeah, go Flyers. You, you've never mentioned that before. <laughs> and my family had, uh, my, my, my family, we'd split season tickets with a couple other people growing up, but we gave them up when I went to college because my dad and I would always go. We gave them up. I came back. I wanted my own tickets, bought them myself. First year or second year I was a season ticket holder was the, playoff year against the penguins so it's like yeah i'm in and then the the whole uh destruction of the team um when they lost all these uh they lost like 500 man games in 15 16 i was like i just you know i'm i'm a poor i'm a poor bachelor living by myself uh can't afford to spend all this money on blue jackets tickets every year so gave them up and then this, and then of course this happens, and I'm like, well, I regret this immediately. So my my girlfriend and I, we start, uh, or we we we're, we're we're watching games together, and then we're like, we need to get to one of these. So we go to, uh, I forget what the first game of the streak is we went to, but we ended up going on like a CBJ social night to like see the Blue Jackets play the Montreal Canadiens. It was, it ended up being the twelfth win of the winning streak. And I walk in and, you know, we're signing, we're signing in, like, you know, if you went on social night, you know, you got all the players were wearing like their Twitter jersey or their Twitter handles on the back of their jerseys and warm ups, you know, all this like rah, rah crap. So I go to sign, I go to like check in and get like, a dr- I go to like, tri- like check in and get a drink ticket, 
you know, one of those things. And the person who's checking me in is like, oh, you won some pregame raffle. Whose jersey off the who, – or who? what player's jersey do you want? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I, I'm, and this lady's like, sir, this is a family environment. You can't say use that language. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm sorry. So I'm like, because uh, at the time, you know, like we said, Sam Gagne is having a great season. I'm like, ah, uh, Sam Gagne. So I have upstairs um, a Sam Gagne – Blue Jackets jersey with his Twitter handle on the back <laughs> from this from this winning streak. Like it's just like one of those things I'll never forget. Like it just like, and you just r- randomly happened to check in at the right time. Yeah, just like checked in. Like oh yeah, you won some pre. Like your number in the in the order won some pregame raffle. Like okay. <laughs> Um, it was just one of those, it was just one of those years where it felt like nothing could go wrong. Like this team, you know, they, they'd go down early. Didn't matter. Come back and win. Uh, give up a goal late. Didn't matter. They're winning in overtime or they're winning. a. Sh- I mean, unlike the penguin streak, the shootout existed in this 16 game winning streak, but they only used it twice. Like they won 14 games in overtime or in regulation, like they, it was one of those things where it's just like this team felt like they could do no wrong. They they went twelve zero and zero in the month of December. Sergei Bobrovsky was the star of the month in the month of December that year. Like like PD said, despite not posting a shutout, he just kept winning games. It, like this team just this this stupid hockey team in Columbus that couldn't draw fans for the longest time that no one understood the marketing for that no one had heard of on a national scale was suddenly leading sports center and leading the NHL standings out of absolutely nowhere with a coach who had been run out of his last job for trying to fight the entire other team. Yeah. People were people getting jackets fever or well, absolutely. So, So to give you an idea, like, uh, let me pull it up here. The, the Penguins game that I told you about was three days before Christmas and had 19,115 fans in the arena. That was like, uh, like more than a sellout for that game. Mm-hmm. Like by, by December, like fans were catching on that like this team was legitimate. This was fun. Like nationwide arena is the place to be now. Like this this team mm-hmm. is worth investing in. And I at, at that point, yeah, I, I had a uh, – I had, by that point, I upgraded to a quarter season package, so I went to 10 games a year. And, like, over the course of the season, I noticed that, like, more and more fans each game, and the, the excitement was building, like, and even just in general, like, going around the city, you started to notice more Blue Jackets gear. You could talk to pe- random strangers about the Blue Jackets. People were, like, in on what the team was doing. Like, they started realizing, like, oh, yeah, we've Car- got a hockey like, team, and like, they're good. Like, yeah. like, car flags started to be a thing. They yeah, actually, like, absolutely. like, like our like the the ESPN affiliate radio station has long been known as like an Ohio State program, and they started kicking off you know the afternoon drive time radio program with Blue Jackets coverage, not whatever Ohio, whatever high school or Ohio State was recruiting. Like it was actually Blue Jackets coverage. Like it was something this town had like fans of this team had never seen before things this town had never really cared about before like they they started like hanging advertisements downtown it was actually like investment in the community because the team was winning it was and 
the dollars were starting to come back to the organization because they were actually selling out for the first time in uh, several years. Well, you know, and I feel like as a fan, when you go to a game, especially if it's a team that you're not super invested in, like, you at least want to see a competitive game and ideally see your team win. Like, you think about, like, a baseball team, especially, like, minor league baseball. So we've got a triple-A team here, and it's, you know, root, root for, for home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. You know, you go to the game. And also, it's triple-A. It doesn't really matter if they win or lose. It's a developmental league, ultimately. But... You know, it feels better if you leave there with the team a winner, you know. Um, but if you know you're going to go and the, t- the home team is going to win more often than not, like, it's – that makes it less appealing, right? Um, but, yeah, this Jack was like, all right, you can go to a Jackets game, and the odds are this team is going to win. Like, this is what they've been putting up so far. And and the casual fans bought in big time. And, and I know that there were, there were fans, uh, you know, friends of mine that were not super into it, but, like – I was able to something like, hey, the Jackets are kind of good this year. I've got an extra ticket. You want to go? Then I bring them to a game. They see the Jackets win. All of a sudden, like, boom, I've just made a new Blue Jackets fan. They're investing in this team. They're watching the games on TV, that kind of thing. Yeah, it was it, like I, the interest for this team has never – and obviously it's hard to replicate because it's hard to win 16 games in a row. It's only been done twice ever in league history. But to see this town go from apathetic at best about this organization to, oh my God, this town is bought in because this team is winning game. Like Columbus, Columbus for all of its faults and its love for Ohio State, this town loves nothing more than a winner. Yeah, like we we can we can talk like like compare it to last season. When or last last fall in fall 2020, when the Columbus Crew out of nowhere went on an MLS Cup run and won MLS Cup, ended up winning it at home over Seattle. Like suddenly there were crew flag, flags flying everywhere. Um, people were invested. Ratings were high. Team was team was building a new stadium. Like it was it was super cool. Like this ta- this town loves few things more than it loves a winner. It's why the criticism of Ohio State when they lost to Oregon in September was so high. It's because this town wants excellence above all else, and they want a winner. And if they're if they're the, the local team isn't winning, they're just going to check out. Yeah. So when the Columbus Blue Jackets finally actually join that team of or that group of teams actually might win some shit, like people were all in. Like it, it was easy for the casuals to buy in, and that was. As I said before, like th- this is a city with an inferiority complex, and so this was finally a team that said, like, "Hey, Columbus is worth something." This is a team that actually brought Columbus attention. Like, yeah, uh, Sports Center was even talking, you know, could talk about the Blue Jackets as a team that was doing well, um, you know. And you don't usually hear Columbus brought up there outside of, "Oh, hey, Ohio State's playing in Columbus," you know. So that was that was yeah, it was a big breakthrough for sure. But okay. like you said, like you said, all good things come to an end. I was gonna say, I hate to do it, but yeah, yeah, post, Let's, yeah, we post gotta move street. on at some point. Yeah, yeah. In, 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 the, post, in the street, post, imagine the power play going from thirty percent to six. That's that so, kind of that kind of sums up the rest of the season. So they went to Washington on a Thursday night. The they had. Yeah, six, I believe you and what, I watched this game together. Well, no, we didn't, which is a whole thing. So. You know, normally Thursdays were our trivia night, um, but I 
got caught up. I was busy at work, and then there was like a big snowstorm in town, and I like I didn't. I had to get stuff. I had to stay late at the office to get stuff done. So I was like streaming part of the game at home, and then because of the snowstorm, it like wasn't worth traveling across town for trivia. It's like I'm just gonna go home. I was just mad about the whole thing. The Jackets laid a complete egg. It was a horrible game. They got shut out five nothing in Washington. They had six power play opportunities, converted none of them. The Capitals had figured out what made the Jackets power play work, and they stopped it. Uh, one of those yeah. things where every time you get the power play, you're like, all right, we're we're we're, we're going to score here. We're going to score. Yeah, here. Ex- we're going to exactly. score. Here. We're going to score. You know, here. They, they just... realize, like, well, here, you know, if you if you stop them from making a clean entry, then they they don't know how to fix it. <laughs> they don't know how to react to that. Um, and so that was, you know, and so not only for the streak to end, but to end in such a definitive fashion. In a shutout, which you never had during the streak. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, and it kind of, it was a wake up call. Like, okay, you guys have had a hot run, but you're still, you're not a great team. You're not really a contender. You've been a good team. You've been a lucky team, but you got some flaws. And then they came home on a Saturday night playing the Rangers. They yeah, the Jackets had a lead and then they gave up three goals in the third period including one with just 17 seconds left. And the Rangers won it 5 to 4. So we were trying to get back yeah. in regulation. So here all of a sudden it's a two game losing streak. And then the next they have a back to back home back to back which is rare. Play the Flyers. Had a lead, one nothing lead, gave up a goal in the dying minutes to the Flyers. Thankfully, the Jackets did win it in overtime. You're going to start to notice a pattern here. But it was like, uh, uh, what is what is going on here with this team? Um, and and then like personally for me, and again not to bring it too down, but then that friend of mine that was at the ten nothing game passed away. Then the next week, suddenly. He'd been sick, but I didn't realize he was, like, sick, sick. And it was just, like, the hockey team let me down. And then I had this personal tragedy. Um, And, you know, I was able to use hockey as an escape that season. And the Jackets, you know, they, they still were a good team. But it was just, like, things just weren't quite the same. They were not able to really capture the same magic of the streak. The power play, which had been, for the first half of the season, it was going at a 25% clip. 25% success on the power play. Amazing. Um, I, I don't have the numbers here for it, but it feels like it was suddenly very, very fallible. <laughs> right? Right. They ended up, they ended, the, the, the power play ended up falling completely off a cliff because teams figured out if you needed to, if you could stop the team from entering the zone cleanly, you were likely to shut down the unit. And if they did enter the zone cleanly, your next stop was prevent them from getting the puck to the high slot area to the Sam Gagne spot in between the dots. And once that once that pass was taken away, the entire structure fell apart. It, it gets it gets worse though because teams figured out that that's how you stop a Jack's power play. And then teams kept figuring that out for the next, like, five years. And so even as the Jackets went on to have some success and have some good teams, they were shit on the power play. 
And then we and hired just, the power play coach as a head coach. Now. And then just promoted yeah. the power play coach to head coach. Yeah. It was like, oh, we're just going to we're gonna struggle getting in the zone. If we get into the zone, we're just going to, like, pass the puck around the outside and take, like, long shots if we take any shots at all, which we might not. And that's, ooh, that's the power play. And here, two minutes gone, we didn't but, score. So, yeah. But, you know, so the so yeah. the Blue Jackets, you know, they bang. But, you know, points is, points in the bank are yep, points in absolutely. the bank. That's that's what we had as fans to build on. So even in, even going into, you know, All Star break, you know, you know the later the later parts of the season, the dog days of the season in January and February, Jackets had all these points in the bank. They're still they're still right up there near the top of the standings. And, they and and, and, and and not without streaks too. Like here, I'm looking early March. They won four out of five. Uh, Mid March, they won a four game streak. You know. They had some some stretches like that where they were still able to tie some things together. And they and they were and you know heading into the last couple weeks of the season, controlled their destiny to have potentially for the first time in franchise history, home ice advantage in a playoff yep. series. Never had that before. The, you know the, the, this team this team could have made something of themselves. And when when the chips were down, when this team needed to do something, they lost six of their last seven games. Well, and, but what's really frustrating about that um, is even, you know, they knew the stakes, they knew what was at, at stake here and fell into the third spot, didn't get home lights. But I know a lot of fans have not loved the post-2013 playoff structure. So here the Blue Jackets finished third in the Metro that year. But the Blue Jackets also had the fourth best record in the league in 2017, they did not they had a, have home ice in the first round of the playoffs. They had they so had the hundred they had 108 points and did not have home ice. Best season of franchise history, fourth best record in the league, and not good enough for home ice. That's brutal. It's yeah, that's it, it, blue jacket hockey, man. That's it's, blue it's jacket the, hockey. It's the it's uh, the biggest kick in the nads of the whole season is because this team, you know, they they did so much and accomplished so much. They you know they made new fans across the city. They they accomplished so much. They built so much. And in the context of that one single season, it didn't really matter. Like they they didn't have home ice, didn't win a Presidents Trophy, didn't get a banner. They didn't. They, they were third in the damn division. They didn't even. They weren't even. They was not even like they finished second. They like going going like going down the stretch there. They they played a game at Pittsburgh, fourth to last game of the year chance you know if we beat pittsburgh you know even though we're, we're struggling right now down this down the stretch here if we beat the penguins in pbg paints we're probably gonna have home ice in the in the, in the postseason nope get waxed four to one and in, in pbg paints and, come and, home and it was it was not even as close as the four to one score would indicate no it no it absolutely was not um like like yeah it, it was it was just one of those games like it was one of those stretches down the stretch where you could see this team had put so much. And, and I wonder, and, you know, thinking back, you kind of wonder if mentally the streak wore on this team. It just kind of wore them down if they just couldn't. Because, you know, they, they hit such highs. And it's, it's like that, that, you know, Blue Jackets that season, I am convinced, peaked too early. They, they, roll, they, they put it all together for this one magical stretch through, like, December 2016. And then spent the rest of the year chasing that high, chasing what they had, and could never get it back. Well, you know, it, you know, it, it makes me wonder. You know, you talked about the country club atmosphere, and 
how in in 2015-16 it the team kind of expected that oh things we're healthy now things will be back to being good and it makes me wonder if they after the streak they thought that like oh well things are going to come easy and they're going to keep being easy you know but then things got hard and they forgot about how to work for the wins maybe um so i, I think that may have been a fact or maybe it's just that like ultimately they just weren't that good you know and especially not good enough compared to Pittsburgh, who were the defending champions and were about to win the second straight. You know. Well, let's talk about that playoff series going in. Yeah. Obviously, you could not have. I I guess limping in is probably being nice uh, for <laughs> how the Blue Jackets went into the playoffs, but or certainly but, accurate. Yeah. But what were the obviously come playoff time, everyone throws everything that happened the day before out the the door and it's a whole new it's a whole new party it's a different atmosphere so how how do you guys feel going in well i i think i think expectations were still high i mean i think we thought that like well we had a we had a rough stretch but we we're like but we still have potential here you know like um, we can still we're still a good team like we can hang or we thought the 2014 series was so close we thought, well, this is a better team than the 2014 team was. So certainly, we can at least hang. We can at least make a series out of this. You know, maybe that one went six games. Maybe we can take this one seven games. I think I think we thought, at least personally thinking back, I thought we have the likely Vesna winner in net. If we if he plays like Vesna, Sergei Bobrovsky, and like he Which, did, it, it, to be clear, he did win the Vesna for that season. Yeah, and well yes, he did. Yeah. yeah, if he plays like the Vesna winner, we know he is this year. We can win this series. We are we are the underdogs going in because they beat us down the stretch, but we can win this series if Sergei Bobrovsky plays like the Vesna winner. Sergey Bobrovsky did not play like the Vesna winner. And, and not... also, and I, in Columbus, in his uh, four playoff series here, he did not play like that until 2019, until that postseason. And even then, only some of the games. But yeah, it was just never. He could never bring that success through the no, playoffs. He, when he was he, in it, it was one of the biggest. It was his, the biggest criticism of Sergey Bobrovsky while he was here is that he had all this regular season success. He won two Vesnas. And he could not, he couldn't do it in the postseason. He just like it. It really, really sucked to just see that this team that had done so much in the regular season that could score goals seemingly at will, could uh, do whatever they wanted on the ice offensively, would just went into the postseason and absolutely imploded. Like it was like yeah. I. Uh, it, yeah. Now it now was an absolute, it was a it was a kick in the fucking balls. Is what it was. Yeah. So, you know, the first two games in Pittsburgh were both just routes. 3-1, 4-1. Now, coming back to Columbus, game three started as well as possibly could. 11 seconds in, Cam Atkinson gets a goal. Cam Atkinson, who, like, like, like again, we mentioned him earlier, how he was revitalized under Torts, scored 35 goals this year. Big part of the power play. All-star. Phenomenal season for Cam Atkinson. Again, as a fellow short guy, I, I love Cam. He's my favorite player of all time. Just nothing but love for the guy. This this is a tremendous breakout year for him. Uh, you know, at one point the Jackets went up three one in this game at the end of the first period. Crowd was wild, really into it. Like, all right, we're gonna make a series of this. But then, 
third period, uh, and this is a moment that really encapsulates the sort of the end of the season. Um, Phil Kessel takes a shot from the point. Zach Wierenski goes to block it, ends up blocking it with his face. <laughs> Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. See, yes. do you want, you want, you want, you want to describe what happened then after that? Yeah, um, Zach Wierenski over the course of the over the course of his rookie season became my favorite Blue Jacket. Um, tremendous, tremendous rookie season. Tremendous rookie year. Um, I still awesome. have his, I still have the jersey I bought his rookie season. Um, thrilled that he resigned and it is not now worthless. Um, <laughs> so Zach Wierenski. Yeah, he he's a he. Attended the University of Michigan, and yet he's still beloved in Columbus. That tells yeah. you how good Zach Wierenski is. Yeah. Uh, Zach, that's a testament. That's 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 the only that's that's ultimate gotta be, That's got to be the only example of of someone who's who's been able to make that transition. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yeah. So Zach, so Zach Wierenski drops down, ends up shattering his orbital bone, um, leaves the ice, leaves the oh excuse excuse me is laying face down, bleeding on the ice, and the officials do not blow the whistle. Zach Wierenski is just bleeding out on the ice, and the officials let play continue in the Columbus defensive zone where Wierenski is laying down. Blue Jackets players, including Sergei Bobrovsky, stop because they're like, our player is bleeding out. Jake Gensel scores. Uh, so so Jake, Jake Gensel scores the game-tying goal, his second and, and- What's really frustrating about this is that I understand why the refs did what they did because Columbus didn't have possession and Wierenski wasn't completely helped because Wierenski he, he tried guy, to stop, he tried trying, to he, tried to get tried to get he was up trying to get up so he got up on his feet and so the refs let the thing go because he was able to, to skate off on his own power. Mind you, his entire face is cut. He he's gushing out of his face. Yeah, it, now, it, it's and, one of those like, if he just stayed laying down on the ice. He made an effort, but like he was useless. And right. I also, I, I noticed that season because I was, you know, watching some games out, even after the Jacks were eliminated. And any other time that a player got hurt like that during a play, they blew it dead immediately. Which makes me think, like that maybe the league said, "Oh, hey, by the way, it's probably better that we err on the side of caution and go ahead and call it, you know, blow it when a player was hurt," you know. Which doesn't um, make Blue Jackets fans feel any better after how yeah. that season ended. Like, well, it's yeah, a little too late here, guys. So, so are, like, are, are, we, are we are we going full conspiracy and say, hey, it'd be a little bit better if Pittsburgh? No, or, no. no. So, some some fans to think will, cons- but it's yeah. to think they were a conspiracy against the Blue Jackets would be to think that Gary Bettman ever gave a thought to Columbus. <laughs> no. Right. Again, thinking thinking, it's, there, it's thinking the there's people... a conspiracy against the Blue Jackets excuses the ineptitude of the Blue Jackets. It's, it's not – no no one hates Columbus. It's that people don't think about Columbus. You know, love and hate are not opposites. The opposite of love is apathy, and that's what people think of Columbus generally. Is they just don't think about Columbus. And and bless Wierenski after so he so he gets his face busted to pieces, um goes into the locker room at second intermission, and come and like they stitch his face up, put the full shield on his mask, or on his on his helmet, and he comes yeah. out and plays the third period for probably seven yeah. eight minutes until his eyes swelled shut and he couldn't see out of it anymore. Until <laughs> so they literally yeah, yeah. had to yank him off the ice. 
he had to go to the hospital after the game. Like he t- like posted on Instagram like a selfie from the hospital, like a whole side of his face swollen up. I remember or that picture. A, a guy took that picture, turned it into a T-shirt that he wore to Game Four, and like 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 eventually <laughs> like even that. Sort of Wernski ended up chasing him down and giving him a jersey. Uh, Nick Nick Felino got a shirt made as well with that same picture that he wore at one point. Like uh, so, that became a whole meme in Columbus. It was great, and and uh, I was at Game Four, which I was just thinking like. Just don't get swept. Just after this miracle season, just please, please do not get swept. And and thankfully, so the Jackets, they scored two goals in the first period. Uh, Pittsburgh clawed back and made it 3-2 at the end of two. And then the Jackets, they held off. You know, Pittsburgh got a uh, you know, shorthand goal late to make it a one-goal game. But still, Jackets held on. Miracle, miracles, like Boone Jenner got one, thankfully, got the insurance goal. Ooh. Yeah. I was me, at I was at Game Four as well. Yeah, it was. You know, it's it, been it was, such, but it's been it, up and down. Such a a just a, a a weird year for me. Both off ice with you know friend, I, and I moved that year, and it was just like I it, you know I, I cried in that game, and then it was just cathartic to at least all right, we got to win. Like, it and felt, it was, of it was note, a, it was for, the, me, for my last for my last game of the season. At least we ended on a high note. And of, and of note, it was the it's the it was the first regulation win in play in Blue Jackets playoff history. It was the first time they'd won oh, yeah. a game in regulation. That's but true. Yeah, it, but it it was like it it was great to see in the moment. Like I like I was there as well, and it was so much fun to see. But it's just like the greatest season in franchise history, and we're hanging our hat on one postseason win. It, it's just like. You, it leaves you wanting more. It's why it's why we're fans of sports. You, you know, you guys as Blues fans understand. Like, you know, Mike, you as a Dayton Flyers fan, understand we're going to be chasing twenty twenty forever. It's like what well, could have been, right? It, and it's just it's like the Blue Jackets. What could have been, and we're going to be chasing that forever. You know, we hope one. It, it's like for the longest time, you just hope to capture that magic that like the team had in that December run. It's why it's why I'm very glad I got to experience it, but I'm going to be chasing that high forever. It's like I just want to get back to that. I want to I want to have that one more time. And to and to end on a brighter note, like this season was not, you know, the the big fear was like, is this is is it what the critics said? Is this just is it unsustainable? Is this a fluke? And thankfully, it didn't. This turned out to be a beginning. This ended up being the first of four straight playoff appearances for the Blue Jackets. And, you know, Col- you know, in with the third of those seasons was then they finally got their first playoff victory by sweeping the lightning, which shocked the sports world, you know. So it was it was the start of something, which was good. You know, the in both 09 and 14, it was like, hey, we broke through the playoffs. And we thought like, oh, we're going to build on this. And then both times they failed to build on it. This was finally like, this was legitimately the start of something and um you know after the series um you know torts wasn't happy with brandon sod and there's like oh well the jackets trade brandon sod and i thought well that's ridiculous he's a good player you you don't treat him low that'd be foolish but then they traded for our teddy panera and he was like oh okay well that's clearly a better I, rem- I remember <laughs> like, being, okay yeah i remember being on yeah. lunch i remember i'll just tell a quick story i remember being on a lunch break from my job i was in a like a buy a 
pizza by the slice joint next to the office I was working in. And like my Twitter just exploded. Like the Blue Jackets just traded sod for Panera. And I, I was like, dropped my phone, like losing my wallet. I'm like screaming in the middle of this restaurant, like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, what did we just do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, anytime Panera comes up, and I know Lynch feels the same way, it it's it, it hurts because him and Tarasenko were like best friends in uh, Russia, and yeah. he told the Blues like, "Hey, sign this guy, sign this guy." And they like went to go see him like three times. Like ah, he's too small; his game's gonna translate to the NHL. Like no, they passed on him like three times, and he turned into what he is. And it's, it's well, and every every team passed on him. Like no one drafted. True. True. And that Chicago just signed him, like, at tremendous. Well, and I, I, I think teams are finally starting to catch on, and they're starting to draft Russian players more often, and also realizing that even if the guy is not, like, the ideal size, that, like, undersized players can still be very effective in this league. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, like, if the guy can still do all the things that you want a hockey player to do, but he's not the right size, like, yeah, if he's got the skills, like, he'll be able to overcome that. Yeah, and he's been small his entire life compared to, like, he's figured it out and has been successful. <laughs> yeah, which, well, of course, is hilarious to me. He's listed at six foot. I I met there him at a, I, yeah, or, or maybe 5'10 yeah. or 5'11, something like that. He, he's mm-hmm. maybe 5'7. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm 5'6 I'm on, on a yeah. good day. I met him at a, at a season ticket holder event before his first season here. And yeah, he was like, I was, we, were, we were looking eye to eye, basically. <laughs> yeah. It, but he's a tremendous hockey player. And it's like, so while, so while, so I guess in conclusion of this season, like, it it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but you could see the foundation of what this organization wanted to be and what they would become for the next four or five years, you know? They they built on skill, however they could acquire it. You know, they they had acquired Sergei Bobrovsky in exchange for Steve Mason. They acquired Brandon Saad for an Artem Anisimov they didn't really have use for anymore. And it's kind of been the foundation for how this team has built itself over the last few years. You know, they you know they they went out and when when uh, when various players would outlive their usefulness, they just trade them out of here, and they had this core that they wanted to build around. Now, as they're starting to rebuild, they've got this core. You know, Seth Jones told them he wasn't going to stay. So, what what can we get under long term control that we can use to build around? That's Adam Boquist and a couple set and a couple first rounders. One of them, Cole Sillinger, who's uh, you know a rookie who's the youngest player in the NHL and has scored already this year. They they're going off the board and drafting Russians that you know they might not have expected. Um, like like they drafted Igor Chinikov last year in the first round, and when they drafted him, Sportsnet didn't know who this guy was. They didn't have a highlight package prep because they'd never heard of this dude. Like the, they're they're going like you, you see the foundation built in this one year of what the team wants to be. They're going to try to acquire talent that they can retain however they can. And if talent won't stay, they will ship it for younger talent that's under team control for longer. And it's for a small market organization. It's how you kind of have to build your roster. It's what's mm-hmm. it's what it takes to compete in the NHL now because Columbus is never going to be Tampa Bay. They're never going to be the New York Rangers. They don't have the locale. They don't have the history. It's just this is how they have to build their roster and credit to them. They're trying their best. I disagree with some of the moves sometimes, but 
they're trying their best to maximize the talent and assets that they have. And that's all you can really ask for is find a way to win, find some edge. Yeah, and, and as as much as the Tortorella era ended poorly last season here, um, Tortorella deserves a ton of credit for what he did in that 2017 season because, and I think ultimately it's not so much about X's nose, but it's that he gave those players that belief in themselves and he installed that work ethic in them that allowed them to, and they had talent that season. They had a lot of talent, to be clear, but he also got that, team to play so that they were better than the sum of their talent. You know, he and got he, them to play above themselves. And he also told fans to expect more than the bare minimum. Like, and that was something that fans of this, which is weird for, like I mentioned, a team, a town that cheers for Ohio State on on fall Saturdays, expect more than the minimum. Expect this, t- you know, you might not have had a winner, but expect one. And yeah. that's that's something this team had not this town had not really had around this team, but it's something that they kind of still expect, you know. Now now that they're rebuilding, it's how are you going to get back to the playoffs? How are you going to get back to a team that can beat the Tampa Bays of the NHL? How can you beat the Colorados yeah. of the league? How can, how are you going to get back to that level? And that expectation wasn't there until this season happened. And I think and I think yeah. that is something that matters. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the puck stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the puck stories. Also see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the stories podcasts at the stories pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. Full disclosure, uh, Matt and I were texting before this. We're like, why are we doing this random season where the Blue Jackets like they had a good season? And they just got bounced in the first round. Like, what, what's wrong? But now we have a pretty full picture as far as like what how important this season actually was and what it meant. So that's it's it's yeah. been very interesting to to listen to you guys talk. That that's awesome. That's good because we're like like oh my god we're going really long on this. <laughs> this is short for other ones. Yeah, we're good. It's actually it's actually isn't that bad. Yeah, uh, but I do have one other question. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's not us, so we're fine. Yeah, oh and that was god. that was under that was under Scott Housen at that point, who was better than Doug Clay, but just snake bit. Well, only only that. because the bar was subterranean. Yeah. So oh, here's the thing. So so uh, McLean in 2004 with the number eight overall pick. Uh, selected Alexander Picard, uh, who was a left winger. Uh, you guys, uh, they're uh, Mike and Matt. You guys want to guess how many goals Alexander Picard scores in his NHL career? As again, eight. number eight overall. Eight, pick. eight for eight. <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you want to guess? Um, I will say twenty-two. You are both too high. He scored zero <laughs> goals in sixty-seven <laughs> games over five seasons. He never played more than 23 games in a season. He had two points in his NHL career. That would not have gone well. Off. I remember that the uh, the minor league team that we had had before at one point did. So they were the Columbus Chill, 
And uh, at one point they did special jerseys. Getting because I joke, yeah, you always joke awesome. about being a cow town. So they had special jerseys one time where they were the Columbus Mad Cows, and the jersey was like <laughs> black and white cow pattern. Awesome. And I remember thinking like, oh, that should be the NHL team's name. That would be so weird and hilarious and awesome. Um, but they didn't go. And I, yeah, the, initially the I don't I don't feel like the name went over very well because I think they did a really poor job of explaining what the name actually meant. There was a lot of confusion. Um, yeah, because they said they, they said Blue Jackets and then immediately made up a made up an insect and put it on the jersey and everyone's like, like what, what the hell is this like is that is that supposed to be a yellow jacket but he's green but the team's the blue jackets and then there's you know there was a uh a native american leader back in the early 1800s whose name was blue jacket and there's a an outdoor drama about him here in the state so like is it any connection to that you know and they mentioned the civil war thing but it just wasn't there was just so garbled in terms of what it actually <laughs> meant. It was, that was so so, weird. Just the team name, stop asking questions, just deal with it. Right, and it was, it was, it was very, like, it was very poorly rolled out, like, I'm I'm looking on the team history, the team website yeah, right I now for, like, the history of the name, and, like, um, like, the, uh, oh. like, there was a, the, the, there was a name the team contest sponsored by Wendy's that <laughs> which is where they came up with like a bunch of names, the league and the franchise. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the league and the franchise narrowed it to two: the Blue Jackets and Justice. Um, but I just, but the first few years were a mess. Like it, it like organizationally, it didn't seem like they, there was much cohesion. Doug McLean was was a terrible general manager. I will hold a grudge oh against God. that man until my dying day. <laughs> like. It was it was very poor. so like to understand like why that one this one season that we're going to talk about meant so much to us. It's like from day one this organization was poorly run and absolutely inept. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. The story of the alternate jersey in that rollout is hilarious as well because um, so yeah, about around oh six or seven they started to focus on the Civil War meaning of the name and, and really pump that imagery. They brought the cannon into the arena. And they, great, finally you know. did, they finally decided, okay, this is why we named him that. This is it, yeah. Well, and, then, like, and Ken Hitchcock was a, was a huge Civil War buff, and he was right, coach right, at the time, right, so right. he was fully into Makes that. Makes sense. And so they came, they're all over the jersey. And to go with the alternate jersey, they came up with an alternate mascot. Are you guys familiar with Boomer? No, well, but I don't look, 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 look up. Blue Jackets I'm, Boomer mascot. I'm Google. It, picture the most phallic mascot you can think of. Oh, is it? Shit! Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. So people talk about. Wait, we have to talk about him on the actual when we're oh, more okay, in yeah. rhythm. But yeah, but yeah, it, it's a dick with a beard. <laughs> it's so fucking funny, and I'm sad. I'm sad that it only how, lasted like a month because it was. How, how many? How many levels of approval like, did that get through? Like, well, were I, people I, just I, too embarrassed to like? Uh, look at this. Hey guys, look at this YouTube. Look at this, this YouTube looks like video. a penis. <laughs>
and then, yeah, it's, it, it, it did not last very long at all. Uh, also, it would have been it would have been canceled in current environment because it looks like he's in a wheelchair. Also, so yes. just would not have uh, <laughs> yeah, would not have gone that. over well in yeah, current environment. <laughs> people always talk about how it looked like a dick, but, but, but he has to my brother. So he was, he was like, walking. He's like, is he handicapped? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is it's one so, of the best kept trope, secrets though. that the Blue Jackets yeah, had this, a dick yeah. for a mascot. Like this is deleted that from from existence, but that's well done by whoever whoever did that. Because who the fuck was paying attention to the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2010? <laughs> this is kind of the, the history of the franchise that no one's paying attention outside. <laughs> Even in Columbus, people aren't paying attention necessarily. Uh, but it's Shit, still man. like a, a running joke among Jackets fans to make reference to Boomer. And there's still some people who, you know, either ironically push for him to come back or maybe even some that are unironically wanting him back. I don't know. But uh, maybe that's why they did it. It was like, hey, let's get people talking about us. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of that, that's kind of why Gritty worked, right? You know, it was yeah. Weird, but they steered into it, and then that made it popular. Let's focus yeah. on not not our goaltending. <laughs> <laughs> what What's even better is when I googled this, I just realized NBC Sports ran an article last year about the 10 year anniversary of Boomer, <laughs> and they just have pictures all over the NBC Sports website of just Boomer, <laughs> and all they go the mascot that made everyone laugh. Like that's how they describe it. <laughs> And NBC hasn't had an image of a dick like that since they fired Jeremy Roenick. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're kind of talking about it in terms of how you're building the team and all that. One thing I've actually wondered ever since it happened. Um, so whenever, when, when Yarmo first went there, or I don't know if Yarmo was first or John Davidson was first, whatever, but Columbus has always kind of been like on my radar as far as moves they did because yeah. of, their uh, front office's history with the Blues. Uh, and then I think it was the 20, I think it was 18, 19 season yeah. um, when they made the big moves at the deadline to get, was it Duchesne, Duchesne and Dezingle? Yeah. It was that, was that, it felt like, so it's kind of a three pronged question, but your answers might be the same for all three things. But it felt like at the time it was like, hey, we're going to go. We're gonna. They were going all in. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going all in. Mortgage the for future a little bit, um, but we want to do it. So I guess at the time, what did you think of that? Mo those moves, and then did it change, or was it the same after you won the playoff se series? You finally won a playoff series, and then like looking back now, is it like, oh shit, that was nice, but like we gave up whatever first round picks or whatever. I don't remember the details, but oh, I, so it's kind of, what, what were your thought processes through that, those few? And, oh, and, and then John Davidson bounced to, to New York right after, which was, it was kind of like, we're going all in this year and then see, I don't care about the future. I'm well, so I mean, first of all, at the time, like I, I never thought that we would get to Shane. I mean, he hmm. was the gem of that trade deadline. I didn't, I knew we were in on it, I didn't I, think we could I'd pull been, it off. But, but, been, and, and, and everyone knew he was going to sign in Nashville after right. anyway. And I'd, I had, so you knew I, it was a rental. I had been screaming for Matt Duchesne for 18 months. <laughs> I wanted Matt since Duchesne. Since he was in Colorado, basically, because, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, since before, before he was ever traded to Ottawa, I wanted Matt Duchesne because this team needed a second-line center. They needed someone else to help them down the middle. And Duchesne was the most readily available player. Like Colorado was dying to give him away. I was like, we have to, we, why are we not in on this dude every second of every day? Like just badgering Joe Sackick. Hey, 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 come on, give him up, give him up. 
So when well, and, and to, to be clear, we could do an entire different podcast about the 2019 team. This is was, oh man, that was yeah, yeah, else. no, we we seriously <laughs> we'd love, could. We'd love to have you guys back. Teaser. Yeah, we, we oh believe me, we can we could seriously do it because but like the night the night the Duchesne trade went first of all the night the Duchesne trade went down I bought a Matt Duchesne t shirt <laughs> jersey I still have it upstairs. Um, bought a Duchesne, because I've been screaming for him forever, but like. It was like this. This is the center depth we need that's going to help carry us over. So I, in the moment, I personally, Eric Seeds was like, I this is this is the right decision. This team, like, it 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 had been it had become clear over the course of the season that Sergei Bobrovsky was leaving at the end of the year. It become clear that you know Panarin was wishy washy at best, probably on his way out. So like. We have these two uber-talented Russians. We need to maximize this window right now. Go get them some goddamn help. So yeah. by go- by getting Duchesne, I was like, I'm all in. And PD, I, don't, I, I believe you felt the same way, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, it reminds me of um, if you if you guys have read Moneyball, you mm-hmm. know, or, or followed what Billy Bean did in Oakland. One thing that strikes me about that is that. He seems to like always trade guys too early, but to get like more future things. And Yarmulke Kalainen's perspective in 2019 was, I have this two-time Vesna winner goaltender, and I have this you know, heart uh, contender forward, like this tremendous dynamic playmaker forward, this elite goaltender. Like these are the kind of players that contending teams are dying for. And you know, people are saying like, oh, well, they're not going to resign. If guys are not going to resign, you've got to get something for them. But the thing is, uh, having them for a, a playoff push is still getting something from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can trade them for, you know, first-round picks and prospects in hopes that, like, they'll become something. Yeah, but it's four like, years. well, there, there's, there's that family guy scene where, like, Peter Chris, like, well, you can have this boat. Or you can have what's in this mystery box. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go with the box. And Lois is like, Peter, no. And he's like, well, Lois, this box can be anything. It can be a boat. But Aaron and Bobrovsky were our boat. And, and <laughs> I kind of realized, like, we're not going to – chances are we might not be able to get a forward like this and a goalie like this again. So while I have these guys, I can I can just throw in the chips. I, I mean, I can just throw in the towel and say, fuck it. And let's try to get futures. Or I can and, see, what else can I add to this to make a run this year? And the whole and I point, think you made the recall. And 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 the whole discussion of this podcast has been this has been a fan base dying for any bit of success. Like anything. Yes. So the fact and, and this team had, you know, despite having these uber talented players, there was so much off ice drama with these players who were struggling. You know, I mean they had multiple like players only meetings and you know come to jesus moments in the locker room and practices in a 2000 seat barn so we could just like fucking hash it out hash out this drama of panera yeah. not wanting to stay here and blah blah fucking blah well on leadership like you know felino and atkinson are guys who would sign like long terms like they love being in columbus they, they, and, and they're trying to convince like, panera to stay like, here why can't why don't you guys want to be in columbus like they took it personally you know right and, and so it's like so eventually like they they had the team had to decide do we cash this in and 
use these guys as like to get future assets, or we just, do we try to get some fucking modicum of success in this organization? And they decided we're gonna we're gonna go for it. And they they eventually and now granted, and they went out and traded for Matt Duchesne. Um, I was at I was at Duchesne's first game when they when they beat the Sharks here. Duchesne scored. And they beat the Sharks in Nationwide Arena. We leave and go to the bar to celebrate post game, and immediately in the bar post game, they traded for Ryan Dezingle from Ottawa, and they brought him down. And this bar is like going bananas, like former Ohio like, State player, which added the excitement. Yeah, yeah, like they, they brought it. Yeah, so this is bars like going bananas, and then they go out and they get uh, uh, Adam McQuaid, defenseman, yeah. who ended uh, up getting yeah, uh, a, a former Blue Jackets draft pick, by the way. <laughs> who, yeah, who who won the Stanley Cup up in the, with Boston? So you know you got this defenseman with cup experience, and you've got you know, suddenly, suddenly this team looks like a juggernaut going down the line, and they struggle to even get in the playoffs. They sneak in as an eight seed because of because they've had so many struggles down the stretch. So, but I but to to see what they did, they they brought this fan base their first playoff win. The Jackets were up two to one against the Bruins in that in that second round series, and I remain firmly convinced that if the Blue Jackets win that series, they beat the Carolina Hurricanes or in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I I will, until my dying day, believe that whoever won that Bruins Blue Jackets series was going to the Stanley Cup Finals because that Carolina Hurricanes team was kind of overrated. It was just it. So I believe, I believed at the time they did the right thing. I've thought about it and been like, you know, should they have cash? In in and you know hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, should you should they have gotten some assets, knowing the results that we know now, knowing that they didn't make it out of the second round, that Panarin bolted for nothing, that Bob bolted for nothing, that Duchesne bolted for nothing. You know that 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 hindsight is always there, but this team and this fan base were so starved for some sort of postseason success that I think it was the right decision in hindsight, even though they those they lost those guys for nothing. They gave up future assets to lose those guys for nothing because this team and this organization needed some sort of success to build on. They needed something to have happen positive in their history that wasn't just this random 16-game winning streak in the middle of the season. They needed something to happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs that actually mattered, that mattered on the national stage in the postseason. I think it ended up being the right decision, even though all those guys left. And for, for the fans that were were there in Game Three or Game Four against Tampa, I was insane. I, 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 it was... I, was there for, I was there for Game Three. I wish I'd been there for Game Four. I don't think those fans would trade that for anything. I uh, was not. Even, I was there for Game Three. Is... So the, the watching the end of Game Four, like with all the empty net goals they scored, and just the crowd getting louder and louder and more crazed. Uh, I mean, it still like gets me emotional watching that, those replays. Game and, and you just, game, I don't I don't think you can trade that for oh oh we, we should have gotten some first round picks for that no no fuck like, that like game game four was a Sunday night and I like my my girlfriend and I we did not have tickets to that game we we went to game three had a had an absolute blast did not go to game four we thought we thought about buying tickets all day and ended up just not doing it we were like if they beat the Lightning we we want to save our financial commitments to buy tickets to the, see the Bruins. See or see the winner of the next series, which at that time was looking like the Bruins. We're, so we're in a restaurant watching this game, and like the the Jackets are winning in the third period. Panarin scores the empty netter to go up four one, and we grabbed our check and we're like, we don't have tickets. We're going down near the arena to a bar to celebrate because we just we just want to be around it. 
We just we just wanted to be a part of that and just be around this celebratory atmosphere. And, and it's the only time this the, the fans of this team have had anything like that. I I 100% think that is worth you know a couple years a couple extra years of struggle just to give this fan base something. Because they need something to have to, something to latch on to, something they, to they, think back right. and like that was awesome. Right. They they needed the, the fans of this team needed something. And well, the, and, because, that, be, and, and at that time, I think we were the only Big Four franchise to have not won a playoff series. Correct. You know, so like here, even like Vegas came in and they got to the Cup Finals in their first freaking year, and we're like, what the fuck? You know, we have this this being experienced team is supposed to be hard. You know, <laughs> we, we, we had we had fewer for, uh, postseason wins than the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, so it just you know we would have continued to have that hanging over us for a few more years. So we at least got that monkey off our back. At least, at least we won a series, and then also not just to win a playoff series, but the fact that this was a Tampa team that was one of the greatest regular season teams. This was a historical regular season team, and not only did we beat that. Now there have been other NHL. President's Trophy winners have lost in the first round, but none had been swept. We didn't just beat them or upset them. We swept them. <laughs> I mean, it was just historic and dominant and completely unbelievable as it happened. And But a tremendous accomplishment, and I would not trade that back for anything. No, mm-hmm. not. So looking forward... Who wins their next title, the Columbus Blue Jackets, or the first title in this sense, the Blue Jackets, or does Ohio State find a way to win a football title? I think Ohio State wins a title in the next three years. Not supposed to say that. This is a Blue Jackets podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me ask a different question: Does the do the Blue Jackets win a cup? Or does Dayton make a Final Four? Which comes first? Okay, okay. That, that's that's more mean. Um, <laughs> that's way more mean. I think uh, I think the chances are that the Blue Jackets make the uh, win a Stanley Cup before Dayton went, makes a Final Four. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, here to make you feel better, Eric, I will say this: in 2017, uh, especially fall of 2017. When, it came, when the news came out about the crew, I certainly didn't think that the crew would win a title before the Blue Jackets did at that point. I, I left them out so. because, yeah, I, I, I originally was going to bring them in. I'm like, yeah, they just won, so we won't do that. We won't do a repeat. Well, and they might be a ways off again. I don't know. This has been a rough year. but <laughs> You, 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 you got to save the crew, though. You saved we, did save, we did save we the, saved crew. the crew. They won a title. Like, at... <laughs> I, I, I'm good for the next 10 years in terms of soccer. 